Ephesians chapter 5, the last few weeks we have been back in Ephesians chapter 5 and we've been uh, really drilling down on what the Apostle Paul has been teaching us on being the kingdom family of God, that we live life together with God, that we're to be a spirit-filled people, worshiping together, um, rejoicing in our hearts together, overflowing with gratitude. And today in our passage, Paul says to be submitted to one another. The title of our sermon today is Submitted in Love. We're talking about mutual submission, which can be uh, a, a tricky phrase for some people who maybe hear the word submit and have issues with that or have had hard experiences in the past. Let's ask the Lord to submit our hearts and submit our minds to his word by the power of his spirit as we see what the word of God says to us today about mutual submission. Ephesians chapter 5, let's read our, the whole passage. We're looking at verse 21 specifically, but we'll start reading from verse 18. Ephesians 5, 18. The Apostle Paul says, Be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your hearts. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here's our text for today. He says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Church, this is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We do, just as Paul has encouraged us, God, we give you all thanks through Christ. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that we can know your love. And this morning, God, we want to thank you for your Holy Spirit. We declare our need for the Spirit to be the teacher this morning. We declare our need for the Holy Spirit of God to convince us and to change us and to bend our hearts and our lives and our wills to be in line with Jesus. Help us, Lord, to know the love of Jesus this morning and to respond with our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, several years ago, it was actually the first year that I was in vocational ministry, I received an email from a couple asking for marital counseling. All, all that I got in the email was that their, their marriage was uh, going through some issues. And this couple showed up, they're older than I am, and the woman is so sweet. And she's just, I just we just need counseling Please, will you help us? Just, I want to do the hard work of, of fixing this marriage. And I, I, I turn to the husband, and I can tell that he's annoyed that I even am asking him any questions. He doesn't want anything to do with me. And he tells me in these words, he says, listen, she has changed so much that I'm not even attracted to her anymore. He goes, well, what's the point in counseling? Now, I really have to admit that I hated this guy, Okay. He's wearing the kind of jeans that have embroidery and big buttons on the pocket and too much cologne and a necklace. And I'm just like, Lord. And in that moment, the Holy Spirit gave me compassion for this couple. And I asked them to pray. And I prayed for a miracle, for the Holy Spirit to move. And, and then I started just to encourage them, sharing the love of God in Jesus. That God who would step out of heaven and lay his life down so that we could know the love of the Father. That, that, what an incredible love that we're able to respond to that love because of Jesus' act of submission. And that the marriage is really the ultimate, the pinnacle relationship 
where this mutual submission is played out in life and what a joy that we can know and, and, and involve ourselves in the love of God in this way. I thought I had nailed it. My homily was beautiful. The guy looks at me and he says, Billy, you don't understand. She nitpicks me. She checks to see what time I'm home. When is it my turn to have her submit to me? When does she lay her life down for me? He kind of missed the whole point. And as I've reflected on that over the years, I realize so often that I missed the whole point. I think we tend to miss the whole point. I, I know that we've been tempted to think, when is it my turn to be served? When is it my turn to be right? Why do I always have to be the one who gives in? And today's passage of scripture is for every one of us. It's not just for your spouse, keep, stop elbowing him or her. This, this scripture is for you, it's for us. Paul is writing to the kingdom family of God and he's encouraging us first and foremost to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We are a family who is filled with the Holy Spirit that Jesus has loved and sacrificed for us and we now live differently than we once did. He's given us his Holy Spirit and empowered this new life and we now live in response to the love of God that we know in Jesus. And we respond to one another, Paul's been teaching us, uh, by worshiping together, encouraging one another. Last week we saw that Jesus fills our hearts with gratitude. And this week we see, as this gratitude is overflowing in our hearts, we submit to one another. This is how we respond to the love of God in our life. Now this isn't an optional personality trait for the super spiritual among us. And nor is it simply a job requirement for people who serve on staff at churches. No, mutual submission is a lifestyle that flows out of our gratitude for Jesus. Chuck Smith, the founder of Calvary Chapel, uh, he was the pastor of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa until his death a few years ago. I used to go down when I was in college in Orange County. I'd go down in this midweek service for college kids. And he used to always talk about relationships as existing on two planes. You have your horizontal relationships and you have your vertical relationship. And the height or the fruitfulness of your, or the health of your horizontal relationships are always totally dependent on your vertical relationship with God. In other words, that God must be the heartbeat of any healthy relationship because we won't want to submit unless we're submitted to God joyfully. I know that myself in my own selfishness and pride, I mess up my relationships because I don't want to submit to others all the time, especially when I feel like I'm right. Other people struggle with the opposite, right? They'll, they'll just comply with others right off of the bat because they don't feel they have anything to offer. And so maybe just an insecurity or identity issues, uh, they prevent others from ever submitting to them. And so whichever side of the spectrum you might fall on, on our own, we would never achieve healthy, mutually submitted relationships apart from the grace and the love of God that we know in Jesus. And thankfully, in the midst of my pride and in the midst of our insecurity, Jesus meets each of us and he gives us a new identity. He gives us a new power to walk in that identity. He gives us a new desire to walk in power in our new identity. We live empowered lives responding to the incredible love of God in Jesus. Our relationship with Jesus is now the fuel that fuels our relationships with one another. And as we grow more 
in, lo- in the love of Jesus, this love flows from us into our human relationships. This is mutual submission. This is how, what the Bible describes as right relationships. Mutual submission flows from a heart of gratitude. And so as we see in our text and as we're going to see in the word this morning, mutual submission is a response to the love of Jesus. And we respond three ways to the love of Jesus. These are going to be kind of the three points we'll, we'll flow through here. First, we respond in faith. Second, we respond in humility. And third, we'll see that we respond in love. So we first respond in faith because Jesus gives us the faith to have right relationships. Thank you, Lord. Because we can't, we can trust others only as we trust Christ. But we first must trust God. Faith is what enables us to know and trust God. And true faith is not something that we simply muster on our own. True faith is not a blind faith. No, true faith has an author and a perfecter, the Bible tells us. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, uh, the writer of Hebrews encourages us. He says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. So let's think this through. Right relationships require faith. And Jesus grows our faith as we respond to his love and as we grow to trust him in relationship. He is the author of our faith, the perfecter of our faith. And so our right relationships with one another flow from a growing right relationship with Jesus. As we trust Jesus and as we walk in the faith that he provides, mutual submission is possible. Mutual submission flows from a heart of faith. But we also respond to the love of God. We respond in humility. That's our second point. Jesus gives us the humility. And what humility does is humility helps us to see ourselves rightly. Humility is defined as a modest or low view of one's own importance. It's also freedom from arrogance. The Apostle Paul defines Christian humility specifically in the book of Philippians. Look at Philippians chapter 2. In verse 3 he says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, here he's going to define it, he says, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so if we're to trust God for mutually submitted relationships, we must have a right view of ourself. And Paul says that this means we put the interests of others above our own interests. Now that's a real mind bender, right? That's very countercultural. Who does that on their own? Nobody does that in our culture on our own. Who's going to just willingly submit to some random person? But remember, right relationships are a response to a right relationship with Jesus. This means that we're able to love others well because we know that Jesus loves us well. It's exactly who Paul is pointing to. It's exactly what Paul is saying in Philippians. Let's continue in Philippians 2, continuing in verse 5. It says, in your relationships, Paul says, he says, have the same mindset as Jesus, who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, Jesus made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So how should we think about humility in our life? Paul says to have the same mindset 
as Jesus, to set our mind in the same place as Jesus set his mind. Jesus didn't advance himself with the advantages he had in life. Now, in our culture right now, there's a buzzword. Uh, everyone's talking about privilege. You turn the TV on, you'll hear this word of privilege is, is something that is just a hot topic. Some people uh, might have certain privileges because of who their parents are. Other, people's may have, other people may have less, or, or some people claim there's no such thing as privilege. Well, using the paradigm of privilege, it's obvious that Jesus was by far the most privileged person ever, okay? Jesus was God, very privileged individual, you might say. But notice that Jesus isn't ashamed of his privilege, Jesus doesn't revoke his privilege. That would have been absurd for God to come to earth and revoke his deity because he was God. He didn't revoke his privilege. He didn't deny his privilege. No. What did Jesus do? Jesus stewarded this incredible privilege by walking with humility. The king of kings, born with unimaginable privilege, unimaginable advantage. The king came as a kid, and the kid became a servant. And then the servant becomes a sacrifice. And then the sacrifice, get this, the sacrifice of Jesus laying his life down becomes our privilege. We are tremendously privileged as kingdom kids in Jesus. And so we now respond to this incredible gift, this incredible privilege that we have by walking as Jesus walked in humility. Jesus, the King of Kings, served sinful, broken, confused, angry, even murderous people. He served them. He stewarded his incredible privilege so that we might know the love of God. This is God's grace for us, church. The privilege that God gives to us is God's grace for the world around us. We are now able to receive this incredible privilege of knowing and walking with God. We're now the most privileged people on earth. We have incredible kingdom privilege. And listen, we don't revoke our privilege. That would be absurd for you to have the mindset that you're to revoke your privilege. You don't revoke your privilege. You steward it. You don't denounce it. You lay hold of it. Use it for the glory of God, just as Jesus did. We're now filled with the love of God. We don't need to take so much from others. That's our tremendous privilege has satisfied us. We don't need to take and take and take from others in relationship. We're now able to sit with humility, having a right view of ourselves in light of who Jesus is, and serve others. Our humility makes others the benefactors of our privilege in Jesus. Our humility moves us to steward our privilege, to build others up as Jesus has done. Our humility mirrors and reveals the kindness, the love, and the joy of knowing Jesus, of having right relationship with the living God. And with this in mind, church, just imagine what the relationships in our lives would look like if we stewarded our kingdom privilege with humility like this. Just imagine what your marriage would look like. Imagine what your family relationships would look like if you stewarded your privilege with humility. Imagine what your roommate relationships, your neighbor relationships. Imagine what our community would look like if every kingdom kid, every child of God lived in this way. See, this is exactly what Paul is saying. 
God's kingdom family looks like. He's saying we're a massive community of totally privileged people. Now, I know that sounds horrible, right? We're a community of privileged people. It'd be like a, a dorm room at an Ivy League school. I would never want to go there. But this is different, Paul's saying. This is a community of totally privileged people, but we're not just a community. He says we're a family, and we're mutually submitted to one another. These privileged people, we now consider each other as more important than ourselves, serving one another, laying down our lives so that others can discover the privilege of knowing the love of God in Jesus in their life. It is a beautiful, mutually submitted community. Church, this is the fruit of the tremendous faith and humility that we have in Jesus. Faith and humility are fruits of God's love, of our relationship with Jesus growing in us. So we respond to Jesus' love with faith and humility. But here's our third point. We also respond with love. We respond in love. Love is required for us to see others rightly. Just as Jesus authors and perfects our faith and he demonstrates and empowers a humility for our life, Jesus also changes how we see and serve others. How does he do this? He does this by giving us his perfect love. He fills our hearts with his love. He fills us with overflowing. This love overwhelms us, it overflows us, and it pours out of us as a love for others. The Apostle John talks about this love. And in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7, listen to how he talks about this love specifically. He says, dear friends, let us love one another. And then he says, for love comes from God. So everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God, but whoever does not love, he says, does not know God, for God is love. Wait, that is gnarly. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. And then he explains this love. He says, this is how God showed his love to us, among us. He says, he sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. There's that invitation to relationship. John is saying that this love is not commonly understood. It's not the commonly understood cultural understanding of love that cowboys sing about, that poets write about. Little of that has anything to do with real love. Now often our love, it's associated with feelings or with passionate emotions. And we even, some people justify the commitment of marriage with the strong feelings that they call love. Right? They'll declare, I love her, to try to express these deep emotional feelings they have for this perfect woman whom they want to marry. And so all sorts of commitments and all sorts of money are invested in the name of this emotional love. But listen, this same exact emotional love, this same passionate love, is the same feeling that enables us to justify divorce as well as marriage. We might declare about the same previously perfect woman that I just don't love her anymore as our way of expressing our strong, passionate emotions and how they change. And all sorts of heartache and brokenness and loneliness have been created in the wake of this emotional love. True love is not an emotion. True love is not a passion. True love is an action. There's often a disconnect between our passions and our actions. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, spoke about this disconnect many times. One time he said this, one of the great tragedies of life is that men seldom bridge the gulf between practice and profession, between doing and saying. Now, 
you, you might be thinking, if your marriage is on the rocks right now, you're like, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to feel love for this person that, that we just have, we can't even talk right now? How? How do I walk in this love, Billy? Well, C.S. Lewis connects uh, Martin Luther King's thoughts with the Apostle John's command to love one another. He says this. He says, don't waste time bothering whether you feel love for your neighbor. Act as if you did. For as soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you are behaving as if you love someone, you will presently come to love them. Jesus said, to love as I have loved you. The Apostle John says to love one another. Paul says to walk in love. It's an action. It's a response. It's something we do without responding to the love that Jesus has poured out on me. There is no chance that I would be willing to walk in that love with another person. And yet Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the source of humility in life, the source of our love, There's no true love apart from the love of God that we know in Jesus. And this love fully satisfies our desire to feel accepted. It fully satisfies our desire to feel love. Jesus satisfies those things. It could be easy for us to forget that God loves us so much that he actually initiated our understanding of his love by sacrificing. When there was nothing in it for him, God's love for you compelled him to action. God takes action. He sacrifices. God's love for us in Jesus changes us. It changes the way we see others. We don't just love others because of the way that they make us feel. We don't just love others because they do nice things for us or they they give us butterflies. No, Jesus has given us the faith required to see and know and walk in the true love of God. And he's given us the humility required to see ourselves rightly. And he's given us the love that's required to sacrifice for others so that they might know God's love. God satisfies us to the point where we're willing and able to joyfully lay our lives down. Often Paul refers to athletes who work hard in order to master their sport, right? The analogy usually is used in terms of running or boxing or wrestling, but it's perfect for what he's talking about in our passage today. Because in order for the relationships in our lives to work, we need to exercise these muscles. We need to exercise our faith and our humility. We need to exercise in love. That's exactly what Paul is talking about. We work hard to achieve right relationships by submitting to others. We must intentionally submit to one another. But notice that Paul calls this submission mutual. In all healthy relationships, there's a give and there's a take. It can't be all giving, and it certainly can't be all take, take, taking. There's a tension We have to pay attention to the healthy tension in our relationships. Just like Jesus holds our relationship in a healthy tension, right? He demonstrates the love of God for us by stepping out of heaven, humbling himself as a servant, and even becoming a sacrifice, dying on the cross so that you could know the love of God. Jesus did all of that. But notice, there's there's a tension there. What must we do? We must respond in faith. 
We receive this gift of love by faith. We then steward this gift of love with humility. We then share this gift of love that is overflowing our heart with others as an act of love. And Paul says that all of this is done very specifically. Look at the end of our passage today. Ephesians 5.21. Paul says, and further, submit to one another. And here it is. He says, out of reverence for Christ. Out of worship. Out of respect out of submission to Christ is what he's saying. God's love for us is reflected in our love for God as we live lives submitted to one another. We are kingdom kids. We are brought together by God. We are living as a part of God's family, as a spirit-filled people. We're filled with the love of God. And as we live in submission to God, we start to live in submission to others. And others start to live in submission to us. And the love of God becomes tangible. The love of God becomes more obvious. We submit to one another in response to Jesus' love. See, the action of God's love, the action of God's true love is made obvious in the church and then it's made obvious in our community as our submitted lives to God start to play out in submission to one another. People start to see and notice and ask about the love of Jesus. And maybe today, you've got some relationships that are in shambles. How can I get my family back on track? How could I possibly pull my marriage back together? How could I possibly deal with that neighbor? How could I possibly get my relations, relationships back on track to anything near like what you're talking about here? Remember, we cannot be right with others until we are right with God. Until that vertical relationship is strong, our horizontal relationships will remain low. Receive the love of God today. Allow God to love you. Step number one to fix your relationships. Enjoy Jesus. Let your heart be filled with gratitude. Respond to the Lord in worship today. Declare with your mouth that which is working itself out by the power of the Spirit in your heart. Allow your heart to be thankful to the Lord. Respond to God. And if you need prayer today, uh, in, the, in the description of the YouTube video, there's a link that says uh, connect with God. We would love to pray for you. You can leave a prayer request on that link or you can click to have someone contact you to pray with you or you can even click to have someone contact you to tell you more about God. But this morning, respond to what the Lord is doing. Jesus, the author and the perfecter of faith, he's inviting us into the presence, into the love, into the relationship with the living God. Set your heart on Jesus this morning. Let's pray together, church. Father, thank you for your word. And just confess, Lord, our need for the Holy Spirit to work this out. God, to convict us and to convince us of the goodness of God and the joy of receiving and reciprocating the love of Jesus. Give us the grace and the strength and the joy of seeing Jesus in everything. God, give us the wisdom to make the most of these days we live in. Help us to experience your presence, to know your love today. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. God, we want to sing in our hearts so that it overflows with our voices and into our lives. God, help us to align our hearts and our minds to see and experience the love 
in the nearness of Jesus today. Help us, Holy Spirit, to walk in love. Restore a right spirit in us. Restore right relationships around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe this morning you don't know the love of God because you don't know Jesus. You need to hear this morning that God loves you. And God created you to live life in him, with him. You were created to know the peace and the purpose and the joy of living life with God. Today, God is offering to rescue you from living a lost, broken, hopeless life. Jesus has laid down his sinless life and is offering to exchange our brokenness and our sin for the peace and the joy and the forgiveness of walking with God. You can be made right with God through faith in Jesus. You have the opportunity to know God by accepting the free gift of salvation and forgiveness in Jesus today. This is the greatest gift anyone could ever offer you. It is a gift that will change your life. Today you could be set free from guilt You can be set free from shame. You can be set free from loneliness. Today, you can be restored to God as he originally intended. Today is the day of salvation for those who would respond to the free gift of God in Jesus. Let God take your sin away, take your burdens away, and fill your heart with love and peace. Put your faith in Jesus. Church, let's fix our eyes on Jesus. Let's fix our hearts on Jesus as we respond to the love of God and the character of God. Let's allow the love and the presence of God to fill our hearts to overflow as we worship this morning.